0: Hey guys, and welcome back to Murdered and Missing. I'm your host, Nicole, and the case that I have for you today is one of Idaho's longest missing persons cases. This is the story of the disappearance of Stephanie Crane. After school let out, On October eleventh, 1993, Stephanie Crane would join her friends in her bowling league at the Chalice Lane's Bowling Alley. Stephanie's mother, Sandy, would meet her at the bowling alley to pay for her game, and she would give her $1 for snacks while she was at the bowling alley. Stephanie and her mother had agreed that Stephanie would go right home after bowling was over. Stephanie's home was only 500 yards away from the bowling alley. And to get home, she would need to head towards a footbridge and walk across Garden Creek. Now, after Stephanie leaves the bowling alley, there are a few different accounts of where Stephanie would go. One account has Stephanie going across the street to Chalice High School to watch the soccer practice that was going on, there was another report that stated that she was headed towards her home. And finally, her best friend's mother would report to police that she was headed towards the elementary school. Now, Brandy Bennett, who is Stephanie's best friend, was with her that day at the bowling alley and Brandy's mother would come and pick her up after bowling was over, and as they were leaving the parking lot, they noticed that Stephanie was waiting to go across Highway 93. Now, Highway 93 is in the opposite direction of her home, so Brandy's mother pulled over and asked Stephanie if she possibly needed a ride home, and Stephanie told her no, She had to go back to the elementary school to get her backpack because she had left it on the soccer field. So Brandy and her mom drove off, and that is the last confirmed sighting that I was able to find of Stephanie. Now around 5 p.m., when Stephanie had not arrived home, Sandy, her mother, had become concerned, and she would contact her grandmother, Hazel. Now, Hazel lived very close to the bowling alley. Actually, even closer than Stephanie did. So Sandy called Hazel and said, you know, hey, is Stephanie there? Because sometimes Stephanie would go to Hazel's home as a means to kind of get away. She was the oldest daughter and she had three little sisters. I'm the youngest. I get it, sometimes we're loud, so she probably just wanted some peace and quiet. And when Hazel told Sandy that, nope, she wasn't here and she hadn't heard from her, Hazel kind of suggested, you know, maybe she's out riding her bike or over a friend's house. So Sandy would then begin calling around to some of Stephanie's friend's houses to see if maybe she decided to have an impromptu sleepover. And by 5.30, when Stephanie still had not come home and Sandy could not track her down and she had no idea where she was, Sandy said, quote, I had a funny feeling something was wrong. And if you're a mom, you know that mother's intuition. And according to the East Idaho news report that I read for uh, this episode, Sandy would call the bowling alley to see if Stephanie was maybe still there, and they told her no. So Sandy got into her car, and she began to drive around town looking to see if she could find her daughter. She would drive around town for roughly two and a half hours looking for Stephanie. After driving around and still not having any luck finding Stephanie? Sandy Crane would enter the Custer County Sheriff's Office at 8 16 p.m. to report her daughter missing. By 8 20, the sheriff on duty was notified, and at 8 26 p.m., the deputy on duty would leave to go check the creek that ran behind the bowling alley to see if maybe Stephanie was back there playing or. God forbid, something else. And by 9.06 p.m., the city's volunteer fire department arrived on scene and began to assist in the search. And by 9.08 p.m., the Custer County search and rescue team had been called out, and the search for Stephanie would continue until around 12.30 in the morning when it was called off for the evening. Now, the search would pick back up, On that following morning, October 12th at 7 a.m., we would see 300 searchers come out to help look for Stephanie. Two planes would fly around Chalice and they would search from the air and they were looking for any sign of her. FBI agents came out, Idaho State Police officers, fish and game officers, tracking dogs, they all showed up to search for Stephanie. And the Salmon River that runs from Chalice to Salmon was also searched by boat and yielded no evidence. And I'm sure you guys are probably wondering by now, why didn't police put out an Amber Alert? Let everybody know that Stephanie was missing. And that's because in 1993, there was no Amber Alert. The Amber Alert was not developed until February of 1996, after Amber Hegerman went missing. Dallas-Fort Worth broadcasters had teamed up with local police when Amber went missing and developed what we now know as the Amber Alert. So in Stephanie's case, the police would rely heavily on volunteers. These volunteers handed out flyers. They stuffed envelopes with her picture on it, and her case was featured in a magazine by Fox Network, and it was titled Front Page. And she was, coincidentally, on the front page. Stephanie's disappearance was also featured on America's Most Wanted, and the reward for her whereabouts had swelled to $50,000. This would prompt dozens of leads to pour in, and we would see neighbors report this yellow truck and a blue van being parked in neighborhoods that nobody really recognized. And Chalice, from my research, seems to be a very small, tight-knit community, and it seems that... If you were new in town or you didn't belong there, your vehicle was going to stick out. And that seems to be the case with this yellow truck and this blue van. And finally, those kids that were at the bowling alley with Stephanie before she disappeared would come forward and they would tell police about this man that they saw that was watching them from the bar. And this man, had a beard and one of the little boys that was at the bowling alley with Stephanie that night would actually give a description to police and they created a sketch and I will post that sketch of this man on my Instagram for you guys to check out and in November of 1993 a couple weeks after she had gone missing The Braun Brothers hosted a benefit concert in honor of Stephanie. And after that, uh, unfortunately, I, I was unable to find much movement in her case until around 1994 when a nonprofit organization called the Child Connection Inc. came to Chalice from Louisville, Kentucky, and they were hoping to help locate Stephanie. Now, the Child Connection, I have never heard of them, so I did do a little bit of research on them. They were founded in 1992 as an independent nonprofit organization that actively searches for missing and exploited children throughout the United States and Canada. The Child Connection would also come back in 1997 to Chalice to help look for Stephanie. Unfortunately, despite their best efforts, both times, they were not able to locate Stephanie. And in 1997, though, we would actually see the development of our first possible suspect. And this guy's name is Keith Heshcock. Hescock, I don't really know. Guy, came, guy seems kind of scummy, so I'm not going to put too much effort Into getting the pronunciation of his last name right. So he was a hunter. And he was busted by Iowa Department of Fish and Game for poaching. And allegedly, Heshcock was in Chalice during the time of Stephanie's disappearance. And while he was in Chalice, he supposedly drove a yellow truck. Just like the yellow truck that the neighbors had mentioned that was hanging around that they didn't recognize so fish and game authorities discovered what they suspected was pornographic material depicting a child that was rough to get out and that ultimately led him to being arrested so he was arrested for this illegal hunting and poaching and possible child porn However, police were unable to tie him to the disappearance of Stephanie. So a couple years would go by and the case would stall out just a little bit more. And in early 2000s, the Custer County Sheriff's Office would receive what they thought was potentially a significant break in the case. And this is when... They would get information regarding a drifter who had been residing in the area around the time of Stephanie's disappearance. This drifter who remains unidentified, I have dug through so many news archives and articles and reports and I could not find this drifter's name. Police were able to track him down, um, which is great because they were able to talk to him and they discovered that he had been arrested previously for a sex crime involving a minor, which is not great. Um, So police do end up giving this drifter a polygraph test and the results of that test indicated he was, quote, extremely deceptive. I don't know what they asked him. I don't know what he was deceptive about. But like Hescock, kind of seems like a scummy dude. So let's hope he's in prison. So while looking into this drifter, police would discover ropes. And these ropes contained human hair fibers. Unfortunately, I could not find more about these human hair fibers. I don't know if they got connected back to another missing person or anything like that. I was unable to find out who they even belonged to. And according to some of the sources that I read for today's episode, police were unable to gather enough evidence to arrest this drifter for the disappearance of Stephanie. The same drifter, however, would come back up again later in the investigation, but again, they still could not tie him back to Stephanie's case. This drifter seems like he could potentially be a viable candidate, but I don't know. I can't I can't find much information about him, so at this point, I'm just speculating going off of what I was able to find. And unfortunately, we would see the case stall out again from between the early 2000s till about 2010, when the Custer County Sheriff's Office would reach out <clears throat> excuse me, to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And they would request the assistance of Project Alert. Now, I had to do a little bit of research because I have never heard of Project Alert. And it seems pretty pretty interesting. So Project Alert is actually a group of retired law enforcement professionals who are trained by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. To participate in investigations like this um, in various ways. So they had these professionals come in, they had them take a look at this case, but unfortunately, we don't, we don't get any viable leads from this. But in 2012, we would see tips come in to the Custer County Sheriff's Office, and these tips result in multiple searches. So the Custer County Sheriff's Office would end up searching multiple areas of Custer County and Chalice um, on these leads. I've read probably five to six different um, sources, and I, I wasn't really able to dig up what these tips were were what areas were searched. I do have a map that kind of shows one or two areas that were searched. So I will post that on Instagram. So you guys can check that out. And that map also shows the Salmon River. Which I had mentioned earlier was also searched by boat. Um, so with that being said. The searches. They don't turn up anything. And again in 2016. Dateline. Would actually feature Stephanie's case in um, their cold case spotlight on the internet. And this um, would make Custer County Sheriff's Office begin reviewing and reevaluating some evidence that they had collected, and you know, all these tips that are they're coming in. So they end up traveling out of state to conduct some interviews. And it seems like these interviews kind of don't really go anywhere, unfortunately. But in April of 2018, so just a few years ago, Investigation Discovery would actually feature Stephanie's case on their show, uh, Disappeared, and her episode is titled Into the Mist. I did watch her episode um, as a source for um, this podcast episode, and it's a really good uh, episode they talk to Hazel. They talk to Brandy Bennett's, um, and they show you, uh, you know, some some areas of where Stephanie could have been. And it's it's a good episode. I recommend watching it if you can. Now, every tip that Custer County Sheriff's Office receives is followed up on, and as it stands in. 2022, Stephanie's case is still very much an active case. They are not giving up. They believe that Stephanie was abducted by a stranger. They do not believe that she left on her own. Sadly, in 1997, just a few years after Stephanie disappeared, her mother Sandy had passed away. And 19 years later, to the day, her dad, Ben, would pass away as well. So neither of her parents would ever find out what happened to their little girl. And it, that, that's, that's so heartbreaking to me as a mom. I, I can't imagine. Now, when Stephanie went missing, she was described as a four foot two white female with brown curly hair, and she had a cowlick on the right side of her head. She had blue eyes with a scar over her right eye. She did have a space between her two front teeth and freckles. She weighed about 85 pounds at the time of her disappearance, and she was last seen wearing maroon sweatpants. In a maroon and white striped hoodie with the word gimme on the front. Next week on Wednesday, September 28th, would be Stephanie's 38th birthday. If you or anyone you know have any information regarding Stephanie's disappearance, please call 1-800-THE-LOST. That will take you to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children you can reach the Custer County Sheriff's Office Missing Persons Unit at 208-879-2232, or you can call the Idaho Cold Case Tip Line at 1-844-TIP-4040. In the show notes, I will attach Stephanie's National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's page on there you're going to see a photo of what she looked like at the time of her disappearance. And that photo that they have does kind of look like she's possibly wearing the hoodie that she was last seen in. And it's also going to show you an aged progressed photo of what Stephanie could possibly look like as of her, excuse me, 31st birthday Um, On Instagram, I'm also going to have these photos for you guys to look at and scroll through. So as always, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review. And until next time, stay spooky and be a good human.